Next on PIJN News, Dr. Chaps reports on these important issues. Today we honor the Jewish survival survivors of the Nazi Holocaust from World War II. We're gonna interview Susan Hagee, who has a ministry to the Holocaust survivors live from Israel. You're gonna love this. Former Navy Chaplain Gordon James Klingenschmidt took a stand to defend religious freedom by daring to pray publicly in Jesus' name. Now he helps you by reporting the news, discerning the spirits, and praying the scriptures. Would you pray with us? Here's Dr. Chaps. God bless you in Jesus' name. My name is Chaplain Gordon James Klingenschmidt, Dr. Chaps, and you're watching PIJN News. On this show, we normally like to report the news, discern the spirits, and pray the scriptures in Jesus' name. But today we have a special newsmaking interview with a woman in Israel who has a ministry to Jewish Holocaust survivors, the greatest generation from the 1940s, and now they're elderly, they're in their 80s. Many of them have made Aliyah to emigrate and now live in Israel and that is where we find our guest today. Live via Skype from Akko near Haifa in, in Israel, I'm joined now by Susan Hagee, who is the leader of Abundant Hope International. Susan, welcome to the program. We lost your audio, go ahead. Thank you, I'm glad to be here, I appreciate it. Well, thank you so much. You are in Israel right now, but you are an American citizen, and why did you go to Israel? I came to Israel because God told me to. Only reason. Well, that's a good reason. <laughs> How did that happen? Actually, um, I knew that I was supposed to work full time for God. I didn't know why or what doing. And uh, I didn't do it right away, so he arranged for me to lose my job. And so I came to Israel because he said to come here. But I have to tell you, I was a very angry person when I came. They, the only thing I never, ever, ever wanted to do was work with old people, and I told God that. And so he gave me the oldest people in the world, the Holocaust survivors. So I was here. I didn't have any money. I just came because he said so. And um, like I said, I, I was very angry. And God just totally ignored it and had me go and visit the survivors. Soon as I touched the first one, I fell madly in love with them. I love them to pieces. And so I've been here ever since. So you started in 2004. You began making short trips to Israel. And now that is your headquarters for Abundant Hope International. Your website is ahi-il.org. The I-L stands for Israel. Uh, but you're an American charity and describe how, how you got started in the charity business? Well, I was here for a couple years and I realized, um, one, that I needed some financial help. Our organization is a volunteer organization. That includes me. I've been volunteer since the beginning. So I don't receive a salary for this. I have lived completely on whatever the Lord provides. And he has provided everything we've ever needed for us and for the survivors. But in order to be able to bring in donations to do more for them, I needed a 501c3, so we started one. And then after I was here, we started a charity here so that we could work with the government and with the organizations in Israel. 
So you have an American charity, a 501c3, you're tax exempt in the United States, but you also have an Israeli charity. Is it Christian or Jewish or neither? No, neither. It's, it's through the government. It's called an Amuta, and an Amuta has to meet quite a bit of criteria. There's a lot of red tape. I think red tape started here. And there's a lot that you have to do in order to have an Amuta. But one of the benefits of it is we will be able to work with the soldiers of the IDF helping us with the survivors. Um, it's something that they offer a community service for the soldiers. So the Israeli Defense Force, the IDF, uh, the Israeli military, loans some of their soldiers to help serve the survivors of the Holocaust. Why is this group of people, the survivors of the Holocaust, the World War II heroes, the Jewish heroes who were facing extermination after nine, you know, six million Jews were slaughtered by Hitler and the Nazis in World War II, some of those survivors emigrated to Israel. And, and is, how do you find them? Well, when I first met some, uh, I went to the association leader. Many of the cities have separate associations of the survivors in that city. And I went and I asked him if I could go and visit. Understand that God gave me a directive. He said, I want you to see the survivors. We'll hug them, kiss them, love them, tell them I love them, and tell them you do too. And when I went to the association leader, the first thing he said to me was, you are a Gentile, therefore you are a Christian, and if I let you go see my survivors, then you are going to evangelize. And I said, no, all I want to do is hug them, kiss them, love them, tell them God loves them, and I do too. God's exact words opened the door, and he just did a 180, and he said, okay, let's go. And it's been that way ever since. Everywhere I go, God opens the doors so that we can visit them and love on them. Well, that is a wonderful ministry, and may I say, uh, you are fulfilling the gospel, even if you don't talk openly about Jesus all the time, you are demonstrating the love of Jesus toward the Jewish people, and I think that is a New Testament model, uh, and, and I might even call it evangelism, even if the Israelis don't look at it that way. So I'm glad for what you're doing. How can people contact you and donate through your, your website or to your ministry? When you go on our website, there's a donation page, and you can either donate there uh, on e-giving or you can donate on PayPal. Either one is there. Or if you don't want to do it that way, you can always send a check to our uh, San Antonio address, which is on the website. And that is ahi-il.org. We're gonna take a short break. When we come back, I'm gonna ask Susan some of the very personal stories of the Holocaust survivors that she has interacted with. This is PIJN News, defending your religious freedom. Dr. Chaps will be right back. Let's take a stand with Israel today. Would you sign a petition with me? Visit our website, PrayInJesusName.org. Again, that's PrayInJesusName.org. And sign a petition to defend Israel, who is America's closest ally, certainly in the Middle East, if not in the entire world. We remember watching Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu give that speech at the UN. 
when he warned about the making of an Islamic nuclear bomb. And that is being forged in Iran. But what are we doing now? The USA is negotiating with the Europeans to allow Iran to continue to develop nuclear material. Well, that's not right. Do we really trust this man, Hassan Rouhani, the president of Iran, who is the former nuclear weapons chief? You don't think they're gonna build a nuclear bomb when his predecessor, Mahmoud Ahmadinejad, literally threatened to wipe Israel off the map of history. Now, we need to take a stand. Why is American foreign policy to fund the Muslim Brotherhood? Let's sign a petition to stop that. Stop sending our taxpayer dollars to fund the Muslim Brotherhood. And let's also sign a petition to protect the Jewish homeland. Both of those are available today at our website, PrayInJesusName.org. And when you sign those petitions, we will fax them to Congress. Instead, the failed foreign policy of the Obama administration, starting with Hillary Clinton and now John Kerry, is pressuring Israel to give up Jerusalem? Why? We should never divide the eternal capital of Israel, which is Jerusalem, and we should move the American embassy there. But instead, now the Obama administration is unfreezing the Iranian bank accounts, sending $7 billion to them on the hope of empty promises that maybe they'll stop their nuclear program. Let's defend Israel. The Jewish people are our friends. They have a right to security in their homeland. Visit PrayInJesusName.org. Again, that's PrayInJesusName.org and sign that petition right now. Empowering you, the grassroots activist. Here is Dr. Chaps. Welcome back. I'm Dr. Chaps. I'm joined again by Susan Hagee, live from Israel via Skype. Susan, it's uh, about two o'clock in the afternoon here uh, in Colorado. What time is it there in Israel? Uh, it's almost midnight, almost 12. <laughs> well, thank you. you. Your base is in Akko, which is near Haifa, but you also go down to Jerusalem quite a bit. Talk about the, the geography there. Um, we uh, see survivors in about 25 cities. A lot of what we do is up in the north, up in the Galilee, on up towards the Lebanon and Syrian border, and all the way down into the Negev. So we do have survivors in quite a few cities. Um, you know, it's funny, most people think of Israel as being desert, but up here where we are, it's all green and banana plantations. Israel exports more bananas than any other country in the world. And as you go on down south, it changes until it becomes desert. And you are right near the Mediterranean Sea. You can walk down to the coast and dip your feet in the, in the uh, salt water there. Can, can you talk a little bit about um, how do you, what, what cities do you personally minister to these Holocaust survivors and what happens when you walk in the room? Well, we're in Akko here. We have about 350 uh, survivors that we are working with. And it depends on what they need as to what we do when we walk in. We have a house here called Beit Shalom. And we invite volunteers who come from around the world. Uh, right now we have someone from Siberia, somebody from America. Next week will be someone from Wales. And we take the different people with us to do what's needed. Uh, for instance, today we took uh, a videographer in to see a woman who survived Auschwitz. Yehudit Rosenthal was in Auschwitz with her whole family. All of them were killed except her. She's the only survivor. So she's in her 90s now, and we videotaped her telling her entire story. 
we had another woman who stopped in uh, from Russia, from Moscow, and she cleans the apartments of survivors, and they are very grateful. Um, different people going in for different needs, but they are always grateful for us to come in. But we, we go to quite a few cities, Migdal Haemik, we do something that I think most, most organizations don't do. We look for the small cities with the small amount of survivors that no one's paying any attention to. Um, the ones that are poor and the ones that nobody talks to or talks about. So we want to get to those people before it's too late. And you're there to provide very practical things. I mean, house cleaning and I imagine, uh, you know, small repairs around the house. If you have somebody with skilled labor, they might be able to do some painting or some uh, hands-on work. Do you find that these poor people in remote areas, maybe rural areas of Israel, uh, do you find that they are alone or do they have family around them or are they really waiting for you and your helping hands? They need someone to come in and help. There's a lot of them that have no family. And even if they do have family, understand that the trauma is the same as PTSD. Yeah. And if you imagine someone suffering from PTSD for 70 years and never having it addressed, it affects the entire family. And the children, when they grow up, often it's, it's dysfunctional and the children go away. Now the parents are alone again. They lost their family in the war, now they lost their family again. So they have no one to help them. Or you have the people that lost everyone in the war and don't have anyone at all. Uh, we have a, a woman here named Seema. Seema has no family here at all. And she thought that she was going to get a, a word from the doctor that she would have cancer and she was afraid to go. So we sent one of our volunteers and she had to get a CAT scan and everything else. And just having someone with her made such a difference. And you know what she said to us? She said, when I see you, when I look at you, I see something around you. And I have decided that it's God. And I have decided that God sent you. That's wow. what we're here for. So even the people you serve are able to discern the Spirit of God upon you. And I see that same uh, spiritual love in your heart. And when, when you're there and available and willing to serve and to love and to look into the eyes of those who have been abused, who have lost everything, maybe more than once in their life, uh, and you love them, you are doing what Jesus said when he said, to the least of these, my brothers, whatever you do to them, you're doing it to me, Jesus Christ. Yes. God was very clear to us not to go and preach to them. In fact, he even told me, he said, I will do it. And I actually found that, I don't remember where it was now, I think it's in Psalms, where he says, I will do it. And I can still hear the emotion and the Holy Spirit telling me that. Don't tell them about me. I want to tell them. And he instructed me. He said, look, what I want you to do is be the plow. I want you to plow the stony heart that's become hard from the trauma. Plow it and make it into a harder flesh so that I can speak to them. And that's our job. He well, didn't that... give us the seed, the water, the tools, nothing. 
plow the heart. And so we do that with love. That reminds me of the words that have been attributed to St. Francis of Assisi, preach the gospel at all times, and if necessary, use words. So That's we're gonna it. take another short break. When we come back, I'm gonna ask Sue Hagee about a few more of those very special people and their stories that they might wanna share with you. Giving you a megaphone in Washington, D.C. Dr. Chaps will be right back. Take action today. Dr. Chaps needs you to sign an important online petition. Today, I wanna to invite you to sign a critical petition to defend innocent babies and to end abortion in America. On this show, we like to pray and petition God, but we also need you to take action today by petitioning Congress to stop the taxpayer-funded child killing, especially by defunding Planned Parenthood, America's number one abortion provider. Why are your taxes paying to murder innocent children in the womb? Well, if Congress would simply define personhood as life beginning at conception, we can reverse Roe versus Wade. Please join me today by signing this important petition to Congress. Visit PrayInJesusName.org. Again, that's PrayInJesusName.org and sign your petition today. Sign today's petition right now. Again, visit PrayInJesusName.org to sign our petition right now. You know, people ask me, chaps, we're watching on this network. We've already set our DVR to record your shows, but our friends don't have this network or maybe they can't watch at this time. Did you know we are on demand on 10 different platforms? You can tell your friends to find this show, PIJN News, on their Roku box or their Amazon Fire box. Just look under the religion or news categories. Or maybe you have a smartphone or your friends or grandchildren can find us on Android TV, Google TV, Smart TV, or iTunes. Of course, we're always on the internet. Look for us on YouTube or Facebook or Twitter, or better yet, subscribe to our daily email alerts at PrayInJesusName.org. It's important that you share all of these available platforms with your friends so we can mobilize all of the body of Christ to pray the news and change the world. Would you join us? Visit PrayInJesusName.org to learn more. He is the intersection of church and state. Here is Dr. Chaps. Welcome back, I'm Dr. Chaps. We're joined for one more segment by Sue Hagee, live via Skype video from Akko, Israel. Susan, welcome back to the program. Thank you. So Susan, I wanna hear a couple more stories about these precious Holocaust survivors. Six million Jews exterminated by uh, you know, the Nazis and Hitler in World War II, but these are the remnant. These are God's chosen people, the ones who survived that Holocaust, and many of them emigrated or made Aliyah to Israel. You are there finding them, and you are serving them, not with evangelism, but just with practical deeds. Your hands have become the gospel, and you are providing them food, you are providing them services, you're providing them love and attention, and many of them are alone, but you go and you find them. Tell me a couple more names of some of these people and what are their stories? Well, I'll tell you, one that, that really meant a lot to me was Branislava. And Branislava, um, when I first met her, she was ill and her son would not let me come see her. But when he found out that we prayed for people and they got better, 
he asked me to come, so I did. Branislava told me her story. She had two sons, one was five and one was two and a half. She was in Ukraine. It was in October 1941. It was her birthday. She remembers it very well. And she described her, her clothes, what she was carrying. She was on the way to the market. And she heard that the Nazis had arrived and were asking everyone to register. So she went to the market to, to register. But when she got there, along with all the rest of the Jews, they found out that it was a lie. They were being rounded up. So 2,000 Jews were taken from her village. And they were marched down the road to a field about two kilometers outside their village. And the field was very uneven. They were standing in pockets and deep spots and 2,000 of them all together. She's holding her children and she's with her father and her sister and her sister had a baby. They didn't know why they were there and they waited and it got colder and colder it began to snow and they were getting very cold and then it wasn't quite as cold, it began to rain and the water filled up the ditches where they were standing and she was in one and then the temperature dropped and it was frozen around her ankles. She couldn't stand holding her boys very much longer. They finally heard what was going to happen because shooting started at the back of the group and as it got closer and closer they knew they were all going to be murdered. But when they got to the man behind her and they shot him in the neck, he fell down and the shooting stopped. And then the soldiers came and said, well, lucky for you, for now, we ran out of enough bullets to kill all of you, but we have enough to guard you. We're sending for more bullets. You'll wait here all night. So she's standing encased in ice. She puts her oldest son on the chest of the man who was dying slowly. Leonid today tells me he remembers sitting there and looking at his face as he died. But she reached a point where she couldn't do it anymore. With her feet in that ice, she fell to her knees. Her small son was on her shoulders. And she said, God, please help me. I cannot do it any longer. Save my children. Suddenly, right in front of her, there was a soldier, an officer, an SS officer that appeared. He was not there, and then he was. He helped her stand up. He broke the ice. He told her, you're too beautiful to go into the earth. I have come to save your children. She scooped up her other son, and he led her away. He took her to the edge of the field where all the people were laying that were dead. Told her to wait 20 minutes. She described to me what his hand looked like, the 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 watch, everything, the details, she remembered. She waited 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 40 minutes. And then she said, what am I waiting for? She took her two boys and she walked away from that field of carnage. Today they know only three people survived of those 2,000. And that was Branislava and her two sons. Every time I went to see her, she would hold her Bible up. She had it open beside her. And she would always say to me, when you go to America and come back, I may have died by then, but don't cry for me because I will see you in heaven. I never said anything to Branislava except that we loved her. She was a very special lady to me. God speaks to these people. Well, that is breathtaking. God bless you and God bless her 
for that wonderful testimony. I think even in the midst of that suffering, in the midst of that tragedy, for some reason, in the midst of that demonic murder, there was an angel or a spirit of life who rescued her from that tragic uh, slaughter. And it, of only three people to survive out of 2,000 that were gonna be slain and were slain in that field, just a, a miraculous story. And you met her there in Israel and now you were serving people like that. Yes, it's a privilege. It's an amazing privilege. The things that we see, the things that we hear, uh, I'm in awe every time. And they love us coming in so much. We even had one woman, we walked in her apartment. She locked the door behind us, put the key in her pocket and said, I'm not letting you go until I'm ready. <laughs> so they love having you there. Susan, we only have about two minutes left, but let's say somebody in America is watching this interview and they're inspired and they want to get involved. I know everybody knows how to donate. You just go to ahi-il.org. People can give a contribution and you don't take a salary and it is tax deductible here in America, but what if they want to do more? You said you take visitors there. What if somebody wants to come to Israel and maybe just spend a week with you helping poor people and helping Holocaust survivors like you do? What should they do? Go on the website and go to the volunteer page and there is an application there. You fill that out and send it to us. We will process your application and make arrangements for when you can come and stay at our house. And on your days off, if you want to go swimming, you can. Um, we are within an hour or less of most of the things to see in the northern part. And the other thing, of course, they can do is buy my book. My book supports the survivors. The sales support them. Tell us the name and of your book and hold that up for us. The book is called Why is Great Grandma So Sad? Discovering the Holocaust Through the Eyes of a Child. What I've done with this book is in the back, there are stories of actual survivors. I took their experiences and made it into a historical fiction without trauma. So even someone as young as seven can read it. And it's to teach about what happened, what actually happened to people in the Holocaust. Why is Great Grandma So Sad by Sue Hagee, H-E-A-G-Y. I'm sure you can find it online at Amazon or just go to her website, ahi-il.org. Susan, we're out of time, but I discern the Spirit of God upon you. God has called you for such a time as this and you are planting seeds of love that will bear great fruit in the harvest in the end of time. We're out of time. God bless you in Jesus' name. Please visit our website, PrayInJesusName.org. We'll talk to you next time. Chaplain Klingenschmidt is a graduate of the U.S. Air Force Academy who earned his Ph.D. in theology from Regent University. As a former Navy chaplain, by taking a public stand for freedom of speech and religious expression, and by sacrificing his own 16-year career and million-dollar pension, he was vindicated by the U.S. Congress, who changed the law and restored freedom for military chaplains to pray in Jesus' name. Dr. Chaps not only defended the Constitution, but his petitions have helped change the law in 10 states, restoring freedom to pray in Jesus' name.
Dr. Chaps needs your financial support to stay on the air. Would you please send your best donation today? Please visit PrayInJesusName.org to donate online. Or you can mail a check to Pray In Jesus Name Ministries, Post Office Box 77077, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80970. You can also call us toll-free right now at 866-Obey-God. That's 866-O-B-E-Y-G-O-D. Please sign up for our free emails at PrayInJesusName.org. Again, that's PrayInJesusName.org. 